Good morning from Rick Bonfin Ministries. This is Betty McKinney, and I'm going to take a little departure from our series that we've been doing in Acts. Yesterday, John Dunn brought a wonderful message out of Acts 21 about how Paul was compelled by the Holy Spirit, led of the Holy Spirit, and what the Holy Spirit revealed to him um, to go to Jerusalem. But now, as you can see, I've beamed over to Jericho. I just miss it, you know. I miss these places. So I had to beam over to Jericho today and share with you some things that also have to do with living our lives according to the revelation of God, being compelled and instructed by the strategy of God as to decisions we're going to make and how we're going to do them. So I'm going to go, we're going to jump way back to the book of Joshua. If you'd go there with me. Behind me is an artist's depiction of what the city of Jericho may have looked like before the Israelites came into the land and took the city of Jericho. So um, let's go to Joshua 3 and verses 6 and then um, verses 13 through 17. Joshua 3, 6. And Joshua spoke to the priests saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. So you can see... Behind me is the Jordan River. It's a depiction of they were over across in what is now Jordan, and they were to cross that Jordan River and come, the the priests were to come ahead to the city of Jericho. Going on in verse 13, And it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above shall stand in one heap. So it came about when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who carried the Ark came into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks all the days of harvest, that the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap. A great distance away at Adam, the city is beside Zarathon, and those which were flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho, right behind me. So what is happening then? Joshua, let's over to Joshua 5 and read a couple verses as they come across the Jordan into the promised land before they reach the city of Jericho. Joshua 5 verse 5. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them along the way. Gosh, they used that word three times in one verse. (laughs) Now it came about when they had finished circumcising all the nation that they remained in their places in the camp, until they were healed. This is the verse we wanted to get to. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. 
What did he mean when the Lord said, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt? It means that the slavery mentality need to be removed from these people. Circumcision here was the removing the idea of slave mentality, of captivity, of, of shame. When you cross over into the plan of God for your life, you have to have some sort of circumcision. <laughs> the problem is not, do you have any sins? Are you perfect? But the problem is, is your heart circumcised? Circumcision means remove the reproach or the shame of what used to be. See, many Christians still carry the shame and the reproach of the past, even into their current walk with the Lord. So only by grace, by the cutting away of God, can your past be cut off and you enter into a new promised land and you're free. You don't feel like a slave anymore. Amen? So every sovereign work, as, he's, as he brings us into new things, new seasons of our lives, we need to cut off the reproach of the past and embrace the new without dragging the reproach of Egypt with us. Amen? So then what happened next is the manna stopped that very day. The manna they had lived on for 40 years because now a new way of life is beginning. They are going to eat of the bounty of the new land God has given them. So now what lies before them? They have to capture this city. And you can see how daunting that looks, especially to people who've only been slaves. <laughs> They've never known war. They didn't ever know how to go up against a city. So this is an artist's depiction of what a daunting fortress the, the city of Jericho was. So Joshua needed strategy, didn't he? He needed God's revelation. How do we begin to assail this fortress of Jericho? So in Joshua 5.13, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. This was a mighty angel that had come to give Joshua strategy. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So another thing we need to know is that as God puts a new thing before us, God has a strategy. We have to seek him for the strategy and not just try to figure it out ourselves. God has a strategy for every battle. To walk with God from season to season in our lives requires listening to his revelation how to proceed and get his strategy. But see, so often we just want to do it our way. <laughs> Or as John was talking about it yesterday, we want to listen to other people and uh, get their opinions and advice and the strategy that maybe worked for them one time. <laughs> but we need to get God's strategy for us now. Amen? <clears throat> Every miracle of Jesus required a new approach. He was led by the Holy Spirit in new creative ways each time he approached someone. He didn't just have a, you know, one formula that he used everywhere he went. Amen? 
So Joshua meets the commander of the armies of the Lord and receives strategy how to attack. It's really cool that angels are involved here. (laughs) Joshua 6, the famous part that you know how the walls came tumbling down. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors, and you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, I wish I had a shofar right now just to (laughs) make that blast. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up to every man straight ahead. So there's the strategy. Seven priests, seven trumpets, the army ahead of the priests, the rear guard, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Don't say a word until given the command to shout. And then the priests sound the trumpets and the people shout. And what happens is angels are dispatched and take their places around the walls to just bring them down. So another thing we can remember is when God gives us a strategy, angels are involved. (laughs) An entire unseen world is involved. God is doing more in your situation than you can see with the natural eye. God is working behind the scenes, sending his angels, sending his power. Revelation from God, like he gave to Joshua here, his revelation, it means that God is already doing a lot. So when you get a revelation, it's actually God's way of bringing you into the story of what he's already doing. (laughs) He's already ahead of us. So today I urge you to seek God's strategy to get you from where you are to where you know he wants you to be. First, circumcise your heart. Say, I just, it's not going to be the old way. I don't want to drag the old stuff into the new. Ask for his strategy. Believe that he has all of heaven, angels, and everything that he is, everything he has behind you. And that he's interested in every detail. Did you notice the detail he gave Joshua? Do it just like this, just just like this. God's interested in every little thing that concerns you as you are moving forward. He's in the details. And he has a promised land for each of us to enter. But we get there his way, not our way. Amen? So that's kind of part one of my Jericho experience today. Now I want to talk about a very special person who played a key role in this whole strategy, and that's a woman, a prostitute named Rahab. God loves to use unusual people (laughs) who are willing to take a risk, who are willing to step outside of the box, who um, are willing to go against the grain and say yes to the impossible. He just loves to use people like that, the most unlikely person. And the person he used in Jericho to help Joshua and the others was this woman named Rahab. So let's turn back a couple chapters to Joshua 2 and see what um, the scripture says here, Joshua 2, 1 through 4. Then Joshua the son of Nun 
sent two men as spies secretly from, I'm not even going to say the place because I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) It's a frightening word. Saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Then let's jump down to verse 9. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above, and on earth beneath. How did Rahab, a Canaanite woman, a prostitute, know these things? Ever thought about that? That the Lord God is God in heaven. She's a Canaanite. They had many gods. They had false gods, but she knew who God was. Revelation. I don't understand it, but God had revealed himself to her. Now, therefore, this is Rahab continuing, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So Rahab sent the messengers on a false trail, then let the two spies down the walls outside of Jericho by a rope through the window of her house, which was on the edge of the city. When the Israelites captured Jericho, they kept their promise. They spared Rahab's house. And how did they know what her house was? Remember, scholars? There was a scarlet cord in the window sign that she was a friend of God just like Passover was a prefiguring the blood marked houses God passed over right this was that was a prefiguring of the blood of Jesus God said when I see the blood I will pass over the scarlet cord we know this is a prefiguring also of the blood of Jesus the same blood that saved you and me from our sins and from hell saved Rahab and her family. Always and forever, backwards and forwards, the cross. Faith in the blood of Jesus is the only thing that saves. So that cord symbolized, even though she didn't understand about Jesus, she was used of God to be in the word and in the story of of God's redemption, a prefiguring of the blood that would save everyone. And we find out in Matthew 1.5 that she finds a place in the genealogy of Jesus. (laughs) Rahab becomes the wife of Salmon. And then they give birth to my man, Boaz, who married Ruth, 
who became the father of Obed, the grandfather of Jesse, the great-grandfather of David. So here we find a Canaanite harlot who becomes part of the lineage of King David, through whom the Messiah comes. Is this a powerful message or what? That God's grace is in the Old Testament. (laughs) And we need the Old Testament to see God's amazing plan from beginning to end. That God's grace and forgiveness is extended to everyone, regardless of your background or your past. Up until this time, she'd just been the town harlot. Now, she's about to become part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So, again, how did she, as a prostitute in a land of idolatry, recognize that Yahweh, the God of Israel, was the one true God and that Israel was his chosen people. She had to have had revelation. There's no other way. All real ministry comes out of revelation. That's where it begins. Um, same with Abraham. Genesis 12.1, Go forth from your country and your relatives to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation. His faith wasn't based on any books. He didn't have any books. <laughs> it wasn't based on anything anyone told him. There was no one who knew. It was based on the revelation of God, which God said that made him righteous. His faith in what was revealed made him righteous in the eyes of God. Same with Joseph in Genesis 37. He had prophetic dreams of the sheaves bowing down to him and the sun and moon and stars bowing down to him. And he followed that revelation regardless of his family's reaction. And look how important Joseph came became in the life of God's redemptive plan. Moses, Exodus 3, God revealed, I am, to him in the burning bush and called him to deliver Israel out of Egypt. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3.21, And the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh. And I'm trying to show you the pattern of that these key people did what they did, became who they were because of revelation. So Peter, Matthew 16, 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Amen? And finally, Paul, on the road to Damascus, Acts 9, 5, Who are you, Lord? Jesus replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Paul had revelation that changed him and the world. So blessed are we if Jesus reveals himself to us in a new way. What we, what we came for. We want fresh revelation of Jesus continually. You can't say, well, I was saved 20 years ago. And so I, you know, I was part of the Navigators and that was nice. And just kind of ride that for 20 years. We need to hear him and see him anew and afresh day after day. So back to, uh, back to Rahab. Let's, uh, let's look what happens. We have another picture here, John. After the spies, um, after the Israelites followed the commandments that Joshua was given by the captain of the Lord's hosts, look what happened. <laughs> the walls fell down. They really did. They totally collapsed. And Here we are today in Israel, and this is what we see of Jericho. Look what happened to that mighty fortress, that stronghold. They literally fell in. 
But Rahab and her family escaped. They were the only ones who were saved. So um, if you haven't been to Jericho, when it opens up again, I, I pray and hope you can get to Jericho and see this place that angels caused a mighty fortress to fall in and become, go from what we saw in the first picture to this. It's really an exciting place to see. So um, her statement here, if faith, but we just read that she said, we know the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you. We know that your God is heaven above and on earth beneath and that you are God's people. That statement of faith caused her to be listed as one of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11.31. Let's turn there. Hebrews, I didn't mark it, so I'm going to have to do a little Bible. Hebrews 11, you know, the hall of faith. We find 11.31, by faith, I'm going to start with 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. How about that? She gets commended in the book of Hebrews. Then once again, James, the most Jewish of all the epistle writers, the half-brother of Jesus, why would he talk about a Canaanite harlot? But in James 2.25, in the same way, I'm going to, go, I'm going to start with 24 just so we get a, a running start. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? So she's commended not just for her faith and and revelation but for acting on it that her faith and what she understood about God she took action she took risk she hid them and then in some kind of a holy way (laughs) she lied (laughs) and said oh they went that way (laughs) when really they were hiding up in her attic (laughs) and um, no comment on that except to say she acted with boldness with courage outside the box upon the revelation she had. So she became someone to be highly commended in the Word of God. (laughs) By lying, Pastor Rick said. Um, But that gives us courage, doesn't it? To say, if he could use someone like that, and he could give her just a crazy task like that to bring about all that happened, then why can't he use you wherever you are in whatever crazy situation you are? to just do something that just advances the kingdom of God. I remember times in Brazil, I was asked to do some of the craziest things, like help lead a Life in the Spirit conference up at the camp at Terrazopolis with 250 pastors who didn't want to be there but were commanded by the bishop to be there. (laughs) I'm like, what am I doing? I'm a girl from Montana at a mandated meeting of past of Brazilian pastors, I don't speak Portuguese, and they're not happy about being here. And what am I doing here? And I'm telling you, Pentecost came that weekend. So much happened, the ripples are still being felt amongst those pastors. So um, sometimes when God asks you to do something just crazy, 
take a chance. Step out and do it. <laughs> when he gives you a strategy for something, he already is ahead of you. He knows what's going to happen. You don't. But I, Rahab is a great encouragement to me. And uh, it really doesn't matter our level of experience or education or even the sins that are in our past. It matters that today we want a fresh revelation. We want a fresh strategy. We want God to use us. Amen? So revelation of God in our lives, whether it's Rahab, whether it's Joshua, whether it's Abraham, Joseph, all these people that we named, revelation of God is a catalyst that launches us into a life that can fulfill the purposes of God and also make our lives fulfilled. <laughs> make us feel like my life counts for eternity. So blessed are you when flesh and blood does not reveal, but God himself reveals to you. When that happens, the sky's the limit as to what God can do with your life. And I'm going to close. I know I'm a little bit early, but this is all i got. <laughs> I'm going to close with David. David, who said in Psalm 27, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and behold him, which means to see him, to hear him, to have nothing obstructing me and him, and be able to behold who he is, and let that affect my life. So ask of the Lord, fresh revelation, who Jesus is today. Yesterday's manna is not good enough. When they came to this land, they didn't live on the manna anymore. They had a new way of life, a new way of trusting God. And uh, they took the land and they occupied it. And thanks to Rahab the harlot, <laughs> God did marvelous things. Amen. All right, thanks for going to Jericho with me today. It was great to revisit. This is my first scarf I ever bought in Israel, and it's still my favorite one. <laughs> God bless you. Stay tuned. We have more great teachers coming up today um, the next few hours, and we'll be back at this time with you tomorrow also. So amazes me As I watch the world around me I can see his mighty hand Delivering his people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken hearted Lift their voice in prayer As they feel the touch of his amazing